welcome to the Overdue Podcast, Episode 19. I'm Kelly, and with me today are my fellow librarians, Dana. Hi there. Erica. Hello. Autumn. Hi. And in person today, we have Mark. Hello. All right. He usually joins us by Skype, but he's able to be here. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing things we liked and found intriguing in 2018. We'll have trivial observations with Mark, um, fact finders with Dana and Kelly, and our Anything Goes recommendations. And, of course, what year-end wrap-up isn't complete without a good old New Year's resolution. And uh, I'm sure that's going to be everybody's favorite part. (laughs) But first up, we have an exciting announcement from Erica. So, yes, very exciting, at least for all the people in this room, hopefully more um, out there in the listening world. We are now on iTunes. Woohoo! Yay! Um, (laughs) Big extra special thank you to Christina, one of our staff members in the library, uh, for getting that set up for us. There were some technical barriers, but she got it it done. So in iTunes, simply search Overdue Podcast. You know you found the right one when you see our lined notebook paper logo. So please, please, please subscribe, um, follow us, like us, whatever, whatever you can do. And if you rate and review us on iTunes, then more people can follow us. Yes. So, all right. Very exciting. Yes. All right. So our first category, looking back on 2018, is um, what were our best binge television uh, of 2018 and how many seasons did you binge? Who wants to start? I can start, and there may be some duplication here. Um, (laughs) So uh, I caught on to the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Um, There is only one season out right now. We watched my husband and I the entire season in two days, really, when you think about it. They weren't, like, two consecutive days, but... The, I think that the series or the season was 10 episodes. Ten episodes. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, over like one weekend day and then part of a, of a week night. So mm-hmm. we got it done. Loved it. <laughs> Looking forward to uh, next season. And there is a holiday special that's coming out. So I'm excited about that, too. Definitely. Um, yep. So, yeah, it def- it's definitely not for kids. Not like Sabrina nope. Teen Witch at all. Absolutely so, not. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different, but really good. Really enjoyed it. And I knew you would pick that, and so I had a backup. Oh, good. (laughs) And I figured somebody would pick it as well, so I also... Okay. The visuals on the show a lot, Mm -hmm. just the the costume design, Mm -hmm. their house was amazing, Mm -hmm. the school was pretty cool. And I love, absolutely love her red coat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just love how you can't, you can't really tell, like, time period in some scenes. Like, you have to look closely, and they're like, oh, somebody pulls out a cell phone, like, okay, but it can be period. Yeah, it's it's very much like Riverdale Mm -hmm. in that way, which they're kind of related, so Mm -hmm. if you enjoy that wacky universe, you'll enjoy Sabrina's universe. For sure. Any predictions for Sabrina in the next season (laughs) as far as uh, the arc of her character? I don't know, because there are so many things that I thought I knew were going to happen in the first season um, and didn't, so... Yeah, I don't know. And, the, and these the supporting cast is I, I love her aunts. I think they're mm-hmm. very very mm-hmm. Um, good, and I like the the big bad uh, teacher. She's great. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So very good. So. Who would like to go next? I can jump in. Um, I will say The Handmaid's Tale, particularly oh, oh. season two, which I think did premiere in 2018. I started watching it a little bit later. Um, I'll admit that I started watching the second season and got about two episodes in and was completely full of despair and stopped. It's pretty dark 
all the way through, but especially the first episode in particular is pretty hard. Mm. There's some graphic stuff. Yeah. Um, a student worker actually emphatically begged me to keep going, <laughs> and I was really glad that I did. Um, how they developed, especially Alexis Bledel's character, was okay. very well done, I thought. And also there's a big cliffhanger ending mm. of season two. So how many seasons are there? Is it three? There are two. The so third's supposed two. to come out okay. in April. Okay. So I would highly recommend that. And if you get to the beginning of season two and you're just kind of not feeling it, just power through. Okay. It's dark, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. All right. I just watched Breaking Bad finally. <laughs> All of it. In Better late than never. <laughs> I'm very glad I did. Um, mm-hmm. My husband and I watched it together in a very short amount of time. Uh, I think it was eight seasons. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of seasons, Mm -hmm. but it was so much fun. And of course, I also binged Better Call Saul, which um, I think just had its fourth season this year. Um, Every all the characters were just so great, and it it was a very fun, entertaining TV show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, well, I'll go next. And in my backup, uh, after The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, <laughs> was uh, The Man in the High Castle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I binged uh, the three seasons this year. And um, if, if you are interested in it, it's uh, based on a Philip K. Dick book. It's not really the, the novel at all. It's just It more like takes his ideas of mm-hmm. um, the things that he wrote about, uh, such as other dimensions, parallel universes, alternative histories and so it takes the premise that um, the allies uh, lost World War II and were now occupied um, on the Pacific coast uh, by Japan and on the east coast uh, by Germany there's a neutral section the first season I will say um, not a lot happens it's really about character development and so it's important so if you get bored just just keep up because season two and season three are amazing I think my favorite character in the show is uh, John Smith um, and he's, uh, he's the most interesting character for sure. And I love the actor named Rufus Sewell. And he's been in a lot of BBC productions. Um, and he's just amazing. He kind of steals every scene. He's he's so great. And uh, definitely seasons one, uh, one through three are well worth it. And that's on Amazon, by the way. And I'm going to recommend the second season of Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Um, The first season was really terrific, but I I thought the second season was even better. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, The characters, now that they were established um, after the concept in the first season, were really well developed. And it Mm -hmm. took uh, some great looks at issues uh, for women during that time period, the 80s, without being heavy-handed uh, right. about... Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of humor to it, but it's... Um, Alison Brie is really terrific, but yeah. especially in the second season, I thought um, uh, Betty Gilpin, I believe, is the actress right. with the, yeah. the blonde hair, did a, a really terrific job with uh, some of the conflicts in her life, so... Right, agreed. Yeah. That's one case of, I hate a lot of sports, but I thought <laughs> the first season was so good mm-hmm. that it made wrestling kind of interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good yeah. sign. You haven't seen the second no, yet? No, uh, right. not really. No, I haven't either. I've seen the first and I kind of forgot that the second season yeah. was coming out. So, yay, more binging. <laughs> right. Yep. All right. So our next category is uh, book or film released in 2018. And uh, I'll go first. Um 
I just I want to recommend this film because it's not on any lists I saw, and um, I, I don't think it's going to get any credit or anything. Mm. But it's called Juliet Naked, and mm. it's uh, Ethan Hawke, Rose Byrne, and Chris O'Dowd. And I am not a fan of the rom-com, but I, this was great. Um, it's a little dark. It's a dark rom-com, but um, it's very, very funny and well-acted. And um, I don't know. I laughed all the way through it. And Ethan Hawke is, um, I don't know, there are a few people I know that, that can't stand him, but I, <laughs> I think he's great. So, um, but I recommend it highly. Unfortunately, it's only getting like a six point seven on IMDb. It's the um, Ethan Hawke haters. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So I don't get it. Uh, I think we should get a copy here. I I recommend it highly. We did. We did. Came in. Oh, was who recommended it? Um, Our librarian Matthew. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. Great. Who would like to go next? Um, I can go next. I am pretty deep into a book series, which is not (laughs) from 2018. So my list of uh, things I've read that was published this year is pretty sparse. So I'm going to uh, do a repeat. I've also mentioned this on a different podcast in a different uh, segment, but The Fifth Risk by Michael Lewis. Mm -hmm. It's worth recommending a second time. It's a short, fast read. it, It goes so clearly and thoroughly into multiple different branches of government talking about the Trump transition team and what kind of happened uh, in those first couple of months in the heads of these big organizations that are leading our country and it I just feel so much more aware of what's going on after reading that. So The Fifth Risk by Michael Lewis, I'll recommend it again. I feel more aware and also more anxious after (laughs) reading it. Uh, Ignorance is bliss. Uh, (laughs) All right. Um, I can go next. Um, So mine's a little tricky because um, I'm going to recommend a book and film. The book was released in 2017, and the film was released in 2018, and it's The Hate You Give, mm, um, okay. the book by Angie Thomas. I have not actually watched the film yet. The book I highly recommend. Um, it it kind of explores a lot of different areas, um, but it is very timely, and it's about a young girl who is witness to a police a young African-American man shooting uh, situation. Um, Isn't it a friend of hers or something? It is a very good friend of hers. And so kind of what happens and, you know, what she learns from it and how she she's sort of in a a special situation in that she kind of lives in two worlds, let's say. Um, So how she deals with this that happens in one one of her worlds. Um, So it's uh, very impactful um, and I highly recommend it. And I am excited to see the film, which I haven't seen yet. All right. And I believe we have that one in the library here we as do. well, right? We do. Mm-hmm. Yep. I um, am an obsessive list maker when it comes to the books that I read. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm Ooh. very into Goodreads mm-hmm. and okay. things like that. Um, so I was able to count that I read six books that came out this year, oh, which okay. was uh, pretty much a record, I think, of some kind for me, because usually it's more like one or two Um, So there were quite a few that I actually liked a lot. Um, One of them was a short story collection by Lauren Graff called Florida. Um, And she's kind of a little bit more well-known literary fiction writer. 
Um, a lot of her stories kind of blend some magical realism with literary fiction. Um, all of these stories take place in Florida, where she lives, and they all have uh, female protagonists. A lot of them have to do with um, woman or man versus nature. Um, just a really good short story collection, and I think short stories are good to kind of break up a reading slump mm-hmm. if you just can't get any, into anything. Books feel too long. It's taking too long for you to get through things, um, and I would highly recommend that book as well as a few of her others. And uh, the book that I'm going to recommend technically was published in late 2017, but I read it in 2018. (laughs) And it's also something that I've recommended on an earlier podcast. It was uh, Death and Life of the Great Lakes by Dan Egan. Um, It was the Go Big Read selection of Mm UW-Madison. Very well written. Um, the, The science in it is really great, but it's very accessible. And it's it's thought provoking about water, which is something that I think a lot of us uh, take for granted yes. um, our water supply. And he does a really particularly good job of pointing out how even just the smallest things that we do, even if we think that it won't have a major effect, um, can affect big water systems um, mm. down the line. So yeah, um, a very good read. All right. So our next category is um, the most intriguing headlines of the year that we followed. And I know Mark and I, our stories are, um, they're sad. And so maybe we should start out. <laughs> with the and then we can stuff, end, yeah. Up, yeah, <laughs> we end up with the, the lighter stuff. Um, well, for the rest of the segments, I should pretty much just go in and just leave. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark, would you like to start with your headline first? Sure. Uh, my headline was... Um, uh, from Time Magazine earlier in December, and then um, ironically, uh, it just recently came around again. Uh, the headline was that threats to journalists worldwide are at a 10-year high, and we all know about uh, the horrible thing that happened to the Saudi journalists, but there was a woman journalist in Bulgaria that, that was killed mm. uh, this last year, too, and Besides the physical violence, uh, the intimidation, correct me if I'm wrong, panel, but I believe Time Magazine uh, just made um, journalists in danger the person of the year. I think they called it the Guardians, the Guardians of Truth or something. And yeah, I I think it's uh, a really big problem. It's been a problem in other parts of the world, and I, I think it's something that people need to start thinking about the safety of the uh, free press. So, Right, yeah. All right, well, my story was the missionary that was killed probably uh, in mid-November, and the headline was, Retrieving Body of Missionary Killed on Remote Island is a Struggle. I don't know if you all are familiar with this story, but I've been following it obsessively for about three weeks now. And I just want to read this one little paragraph that kind of sums up the, the story. It was a story from another century. A young man landed on a small island with a Bible in his hand. Men emerged from the trees at the edge of the beach. Their skin was dark and unclothed. The missionary greeted them in English. They replied with arrows. Twice the missionary retreated to a ship beyond the island's reef. His third visit to the island was his last. The heathens buried him on the beach where he hailed them. At first, when I read the the story, I thought, oh, this sounds like a 
another Chris McCandless story, the Into the Wild mm-hmm. story. Um, the young man um, wants an adventure, and he's a little naive and uh, unprepared. But this wasn't at all. Um, John Chow was um, 26. He has been obsessed with going to this island for 10 years. He, um, it is illegal to get to this island. They, um, the Indian government uh, has uh, made it illegal to pass, I think it's five miles mm. uh, to the shore. At issue is the, the missionary group that sponsored him to go there. They, they knew of his plans as well knowing this was illegal. And also, he's basically, and so a journalist has said, he was basically a biological weapon um, mm. because these people do not have the same immunity system that we do, and the common cold could wipe out the whole tribe. I've listened to different podcasts that I would like to recommend because um, I, I wanted to find out, you know, both sides, like how people are um, viewing this. And the podcasts I'd like to recommend uh, was from um, November 28th from The Guardian, and it's just a quick overview of what's happened. And then on the other side is uh, on the 27th of November uh, from Quick to Listen that's put out by Christianity Today. There's an interview with the spokesperson of this All, all Nations uh, Ministry. Uh, her name is Mary Ho. And I was just struck by her worldview. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, they, he's viewed as a, a hero and a mar- martyr, mm. and they plan to try to get to the island somehow, um, even knowing all this stuff that they know. And I would also like to recommend there was um, a great article um, put out by the spinoff.co from New Zealand, and it's called Three Myths About the North Sentinel Island. So they just go through, because I had noticed all the articles I was reading, they were calling the the tribe's people the most hostile tribe. Mm -hmm. They're hostile, you know, unaccountably hostile. And that's just not true. There is a history of this island, and they've been the victims of kidnappings. And it's true, they don't don't speak our language, and we don't speak their language, but I think they're communicating quite well with us. They want to be left alone. Yeah. It's very, I, I don't... Unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be a happy ending. I think um, the, the tribe's on a collision course with modern society, and we know how that's going to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the Christian mission groups, they had the best solution that just, let's leave them alone and pray for them. And I was like, yes, that's great. <laughs> we wish them well. All right. Who has a happy story for us? <laughs> <laughs> I have a happier one. Okay. It's happier than that anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, I I'm guess. Sorry. I'm just teasing. Um, I guess, you know, it's happy for some and happy for not happy for a couple That's people. Um, in October, the artist Banksy actually mm-hmm. had a pretty famous uh, piece oh, yeah. of, I'm going to say there. I'm, a lot of people assume Banksy's a man. Their artwork. Um, nobody really knows for sure. Um, put up for auction at Sotheby's mm-hmm. um, in London, I believe, uh, called Girl with Balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was put up for auction, and as the final gavel came down and um, the painting was sold for the U.S. equivalent of uh, $1.4 million, <laughs> uh, which was, I think, higher than anticipated, 
um, a mechanism within the frame actually shredded the painting. Um, so this has gone around on the internet. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it by now. The look on the auctioneer's face <laughs> is priceless. Priceless. It's worth the $1.4 million. Yeah. <laughs> because you, you could never have anticipated that something would, A, sell for such a high price, and then, B, just be destroyed immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so a couple interesting tidbits that I learned about this was after the shredding of the painting, it was actually renamed Love is in the Bin, mm-hmm. um, as it's a girl with a balloon shaped like a heart. It is said to have been the first artwork created live during an auction because it was actually created mm, into sure. a new form. Um, additionally, uh, Banksy's people or press team or whatever you want to say um, released a little video mm-hmm. with clips of the you know the painting being shredded. And they actually planned for it to be shredded completely, not right. halfway. Yeah. So something somehow kind of stopped it from going all mm-hmm. of the way. I have to think that whoever bought it was happy that it didn't get shredded all the way because it's a lot more displayable in its current it's format. Got right. a story now, too. I know, yeah. yeah. story that everybody knows. <laughs> and not only that, I'm sure it is way more valuable oh, sure. after that having yeah. happened. Yeah, anything with the story, and yeah. it... I think it still is. It was a beautiful, simple painting, like something I think anybody would want on their wall, mm-hmm. um, even halfway shredded. It was still beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. And just, really the, cool. just the matter of the protest yeah. of this is what I think of this piece of the art world mm-hmm. was just priceless. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you know anything about Banksy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd also like to point out that we do have at least one book on Banksy in the library collection, and I'd highly recommend the documentary Exit Through the Gift Shop, yeah. which oh, yeah. you can see on mm-hmm. DVD. It's just a really good introduction to his kind of prankster thing, mm-hmm. and also who is this person and how have they gotten by this long without anyone really who knowing they, who, who they are. Yeah. Um, Exit Through the Gift Shop has one of my favorite all-time <laughs> lines. Uh, Banksy say near the end, I I used to think it was a good idea that everybody did art, and now I'm not so sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really makes you think a lot about what makes something valuable, Mm -hmm. because people try to sell Banksy's artwork all the time without their permission. Um, so yeah, I'd really recommend that. And that that was just such a fun story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also had a friend who did a Halloween costume of the painting. So oh, she made a nice. shirt with the painting on it and kind of shredded up the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I saw a couple people do that. So mm-hmm, cool. it was really kind of cute. Yeah. So do you have a theory on who Banksy is? Or no, it's no. beyond my expertise. <laughs> No clue. I don't think that it's one person. Though. Yeah, it could yeah. be like a group, or yeah. you know, know. they yeah. they tend to kind of mask that it's just a guy, and you know, with a male voice that's disguised mm-hmm. whenever there's a Banksy interview or anything like that. But um, I don't think it's necessarily one person, mm-hmm. right? He certainly has. If it, if it is one person, he certainly has helpers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, minions. <laughs> yeah, well, in and in that story I had read somewhere that they thought somebody within the auction house had a sort of remote control that set it up and started it yeah and that, I mean they were the definitely there they filming because they knew what to yeah. film they, they knew, knew what to film happen. yep yep 
And I guess before the show, they were filming people talking about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they were definitely, he had so his operatives lots there. Lots of people yeah. involved, yeah, for sure. So people know who's behind it. They're just well paid. I was yeah. saying, exactly. So... <laughs> Uh, very good. Um, I can I can go next. Mine is not like a huge headline that I'll, I mean this story did sort of go viral, but um, I don't know that it's necessarily uh, breaking news. But in January, um, I saw this headline: "Bullied Trash Girl Nadia Sparks in Planet Cleanup Plea." But the story is basically this twelve-year-old girl girl named Nadia Sparks from Norwich, England had just this habit of picking up litter to and from school. And um, some friends of her, not friends, but classmates of hers started making fun of her. And um, I know just picking on her for picking up trash and gave her the name Trash Girl. And um, I guess enough people caught wind that this was happening and that she consistently did this every day. She didn't let you know her naysayers stop her. Yeah. Um, that it caught media attention. So some local media outlets did little stories on her. This anti-bullying group was formed around her concept, and they they call it Team Trash Girl. That's the name of the Facebook page. (laughs) Um, And it's all about anti-bullying and also recycling and, you know, cleaning up the earth. So it has a pretty good initiative, and she um, will often post, you know, pleas with people, like, just pick up three pieces a day. Like, just three pieces a day will make a big impact, and... Um, she's 12 years old, you know, and the fact that obviously the I think the media attention has, you know, helped maybe solidify her confidence in what she's doing. Um, but, you know, she was doing it before she even got attention. So I thought that was pretty cool. And, and how old was she? 12. 12. OK. Yeah. So great. Yeah. That's really fabulous. cool. Yeah, it is. All right. So mine is uh, one that I. Uh, grabbed the headline from The Guardian, but a lot of sources obviously picked up on it. But um, the headline was, Huge Reduction in Meat Eating, Essential to Avoid Climate Breakdown. (laughs) And in 2018, I switched to a plant-based diet. Um, So I consider this one as a little personal. Um, It was citing research from that was published in Nature in October 2018 um, called Opinions for Keeping the Food System Within Environmental Limits. Um, So the food production, it already causes great great damage to the environment through greenhouse gases from livestock, deforestation and water shortages from farming, and also vast ocean dead zones from agricultural pollution. Um, So the researchers found that if, like, the whole globe would switch to what they're calling a flexitarian diet, um, that would be needed to keep the climate change under the two centigrade mark Mm. and it means that the average world citizen would need to eat 75 percent less beef 90 percent less pork and half the number of eggs while tripling consumption of beans and legumes and quadrupling nuts and seeds and um, it also mentions avoiding meat and dairy is the single biggest way to reduce your impact on the earth Mm. which uh, I think it's a pretty easy shift once you get over there. There's plenty of books in the library on eating vegetarian or vegan mm-hmm. diets if you have a shortage of ideas or Pinterest has a million things. But um, I think it's worth giving a try if you're looking for a challenge for the new year. It's <laughs> definitely worth it. Um, some people just do something as simple as like Meatless Monday where they take like just one day a week to mm-hmm. yeah. have a yeah. vegetarian meal. Um, so. 
that was uh, maybe for some people a, a stark headline, but for me it was very optimistic and mm-hmm. hopeful. And uh, <laughs> it I really affirms what you're already doing. Appreciated it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right, so our next category is um, our favorite end-of-year lists and where to find them. (laughs) Um, I can start. Okay. Uh, I'm going to suggest as the best of uh, AV Club. Yes. Everybody knows The Onion as being a satirical um, piece and very, very good satire. (laughs) The AV Club um, is actually fairly serious uh, media reviews. Sure. And if you go to the AV Club, uh, their best of, they have uh, best of in television, music, film, uh, books, and then they also have worst of lists as well, too. (laughs) I guess for me, unlike some of the other best of, um, I find um, the reviews a little bit more creative. Um, uh, Take a look, and you can find it at theavclub.com slash best of. All right. <laughs> Who's next? I have a good one for the end of the year. As okay. I said, I'm an b- obsessive list maker about what I'm reading. And uh, Goodreads has a list called 44 Short Books to Help You Reach Your Reading Challenge Goal. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Not only are they all short, they are also divided by less than 100 pages, less than 200 oh, pages, and less than 300 pages. All right. um, and there's a lot of good books on there as oh, well. Oh. So I'd recommend that. Okay. I can recommend mine next. Um, So mine is a website, and it's called The Wire Cutter. And it was uh, one of the the New York Times company. And The Wire Cutter is, it's kind of like consumer reports. Think of it that way. It's a a list of the best gear and gadgets for people who don't want to think about what to buy. I always (laughs) go to The Wire Cutter when I'm Christmas shopping because Mm -hmm. just about anything you could want to buy, they've spent hours, weeks, months um, evaluating based yeah. on the quality of the product, how well it stands up. Like I remember when I was, I was buying a vacuum, I uh, looked there and they said for each vacuum, they spread a half a cup of dirt on a floor. And they think if you think a half a cup of dirt isn't a lot, try it. <laughs> <laughs> but like they, they just do these tests over and over and over and um, they don't uh, take any money from ad, uh, they're money people and they're review people. They don't know where the money's coming from. Um, they do reporting. They do interviewing of uh, industry experts, and they do their own testing. They're journalists, they're scientists, and they're researchers. So thewirecutter.com is a great place to find best of lists. And I actually used one of their online reviews uh, mm. this winter in purchasing Oh, good. Yeah. Glad you got, we'll is that a see. hit? <laughs> is that a hit? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Erica, would you like to go next? I am going to say that I failed with this part of okay. uh, our assignment just because I could not find a list that really, I, I did a little bit of research, but I couldn't really find a list that spoke to me. And I'm like, you know. Sure, that's, go- that's okay. I'm going to skip it. So. All right. <laughs> well, I would like to recommend pacemagazine.com. And if you are a list person, you will like this. Um, They've got lists. Um, And their categories are movies, music, TV, comedy, games, books, comics. And I think recently they've added two more more categories, um, and they go well together. Drink and politics. (laughs) So 
there's lots of ranked items that they do have the year of the end of year list, but they have, um, say you're like, I really feel like watching a Coen brothers film. Mm. How does paste rank them? And however many they've made, like 20, they rank them and give you a little synopsis. And, um, anyway, it's a lot of fun. And, um, so I recommend that pacemagazine.com. So next up, um, it's trivial observations with Mark. All right. So this is a year-end uh, trivia, and it's also uh, looking ahead uh, trivia. Oh. There are going to be a total of eight questions. Four of them deal with what happened in 2018 during the winter, spring, summer, and fall of 2018. Okay. And four will deal with what is going to happen or might happen in <laughs> no. 2019. Oh, wow. Winter, okay. spring, summer, and fall. All, All right. right. So we'll start with the last year uh, and start with winter 2018. This online challenge involving young people eating a certain cleaning substance in unique ways and then posting pictures on YouTube hit a fever pitch in the winter months of 2018. Mm-hmm. So we Tide, named... Tide, Tide Pods. Okay. Tide. I knew it was something to do with laundry detergent, but I wasn't. Uh, okay. So ridiculous. (laughs) Ridiculous. And these were grow these were like college age and high school age. I mean these are I thought they were a little younger. Were they they, a little younger, but there were some some college, but mainly high school, I think. Yeah. And uh, mainly high school. And it just confirms that I don't want them in my house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even more than before. All right. Okay. Spring of two thousand eighteen. On April 9th, this U.S. senator became the first senator to give birth while in office, the first United States senator to give birth while in office. Was that worth? Uh, yes, our special guest, photographer uh, <laughs> Matt Cohn, um, huh. got the answer correct. Uh, Tammy Duckworth from what state? Illinois. Correct, mm-hmm. Illinois. And, and what, did she have a boy or a girl? It was a girl. All right. <laughs> Great. Summer of 2018. In the same week of early June, we lost a pair of icons to suicides, one a fashion designer and one a celebrity chef. Who were they? Oh, Kate, Kate Spade, Spade and Anthony, Anthony Bourdain. Bourdain. Yeah. yeah, very sad. Fall of 2018. On November 9th, a new news anchor uh, for a Chinese news agency made history in what way? Hmm. A Chinese news agency. Yeah, Gosh. a Chinese news agency, and they had a new news anchor, and this news anchor made history. Gosh, I don't know really? this story. Me neither. And was it a female news anchor? Um, it was not, but uh, it could be in the future. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, everybody gives up. <laughs> Uh, it was the world's first artificial intelligence, oh, first AI okay. newscaster. Really? And apparently there's going to be more, uh, which um, combined with other stories the jur- on journal- yeah. journalists is uh, mm. very disturbing. That is disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. What, when, when did that happen? Uh, November 9th. Wow. And, okay. uh, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Wow. Not enough people to fill the jobs? I'm just um, kidding. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's disturbing on a number. First, the AI thing, and then, again, just uh, the control of news. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I guess yeah. a, an AI news editorial. anchor won't make a mistake. Right. Yeah. Won't 
show opinion or emotion. Right. right? So interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Superior wow. beings. Mm. Mm. Okay, so we say goodbye to 2018, and now looking forward to 2019. Winter. Back in the year 2002, the Telegraph from London published a report that some scientists had surmised there was a pretty good chance of this happening on February 1st, 2019. So back in 2002, some scientists predicted that this would happen on February 1st, 2019. So less than a couple months away. You have a guess? Yeah. I'm turning 40 on that day. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it is. <laughs> All right. I have no clue. I'm going to take a guess. Isn't it like the big earthquake they're expecting in uh, Yellowstone? Um, you're kind of on the right track. <laughs> okay. It is not that. Uh, but. I was going to guess a comet. Oh. You you are uh, very close. Um, mm. They and Erica, uh, since that is your birthday, <laughs> you might want to have a good stiff drink in the morning. Okay. Uh, they predicted that a large asteroid would hit uh, Earth oh um, big enough to cause a nuclear winter. Really? Wow. Is that still in play? It it, it really is not. Oh. Uh, since then. Um, <laughs> Uh, their oh, odds, odds at the time were something, um, you know, like one in uh, 100,000 or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And since then, it's it's grown. It's, um, it's moved it's away. Blown. Okay. It, it could happen, but uh, yeah. Well, right. you can still have likely. that stiff drink. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Spring of 2019. This epic HBO fantasy series returns for its eighth and final season in mm. April. I wonder. <laughs> Does it, is it really returning in April? Um, that is what actually the HBO site verified oh, this they too. Do. Yeah, so, okay. um, no date, specific date, no specific but just date, month. Yeah. yeah, but uh, very clearly a month they've okay. given for it. So. Should we all say it in together? Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. <laughs> okay. Summer of 2019. The World Cup of this sport will be held in Liverpool, England in July of 2019. Um, The The World World Cup of of this sport will be held in Mm -hmm. Liverpool. You would think soccer, but it is not soccer. Oh, it's not soccer. Soccer was this year. Oh, right. I don't know sports. Um, actually, the men's was. Uh, the women's World Cup is coming up uh, this summer, but it's in France. Okay. Mm. How about so cricket? Some other sport. Uh, that also is a good guess. It is not cricket. <laughs> what else do they play it is, in? It is actually a sport that's played very heavily in the Commonwealth hmm. and more hmm. uh, among women, um, oh. but also men play it a lot, too. It, rugby? It's not rugby. No curling. Idea. No idea. Okay. It is a sport called netball. (laughs) And the interesting um, thing about that is most United States people don't know netball. But netball was actually invented shortly after James Naismith uh, invented basketball in the United States. And it was invented as an alternative. Basketball was thought to be... Uh, too rough for women at the time. Mm. And so netball was created. Um, There's no backboard. Uh, You throw it into a net. But the game involves more passing, and the court is broken up in a different way. And it's um, the way the game is played, there's 
less physical contact and more passing and maneuvering. Mm. Um, and ironically, it didn't catch on in the United States, but um, particularly Commonwealth countries mm. and particularly um, Australia and New Zealand, uh, which are who, really good Who's at slated it. to win? Australia or New <laughs> oh, Zealand. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, all right. Thanks. And finally, uh, fall of 2019, uh, in October of 2019, climbing of this iconic world landmark will be permanently banned. Ooh. Well, that is, um, not sure of the name of it, but it's the mountain in Yosemite, isn't it? You, you're on the right track, uh, but Maybe think of a large else. structure, but uh, wrong continent. Oh, okay. Mm. Go ahead. Uh, it is not Everest, uh, but that also. Hmm. Wow. Is it um, is it for environmental reasons? It is for environmental and also for um, social reasons. Oh. Um, and cultural reasons. Gosh. Environmental is a big part of it. I'm going to guess Kilimanjaro. Um, um, no. No. Okay. It's not really. You're all thinking a little too high. Oh. It's it's. It's a. Uh, Is it a structure like a sculpture, it, not a? It's not a sculpture. Okay. It's a uh, natural uh, thing, and it is. It's really impressive because it comes up out of nowhere in mm. pretty much a desert area. Oh, Ayers that Rock. Ayers Rock, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Australia, okay. huh. um, I didn't know wow. people climbed. It. I guess I didn't either. They, yeah, huh. they still do, even though it's been discouraged yeah. for a long time. But now it's going to be made illegal. Yeah. Oh. It could face prison time. So uh, oh. one is the problem of erosion, and then mm-hmm. also native community of Australia has had a, a spiritual connection with it, right. mm-hmm. and uh, they've long found it to be offensive. So starting, mm. and I'm not sure why there it's this long of a grace period, but starting in October of 2019, if you're seen trying to climb it, uh, it's you'll yeah, we'll get stopped. Jail Thanks, time. Jail. All right. All right. And that's trivia. All right. Thank you. Really interesting. All right. Next up is Fact Finders with Dana and Kelly, and we're going to have some advice about researching charitable giving. Welcome to another edition of Fact Finders. Today, we're going to discuss charitable giving. According to a February 2nd, 2016 article in The Independent, the U.S. is the most generous nation. Yay! Charities Aid Foundation found that the U.S. has the highest rate of charitable donations as a percentage of the gross domestic product, with New Zealand and Canada following at numbers 2 and 3. Dana, last year on our Year of End podcast, you told us a feel-good story involving a GoFundMe campaign. Let's listen to that again. Okay. Um, Okay, my headline um, was uh, from CNN, um, November 24th. The the headline was, Couple Raises Thousands for Homeless Veteran to Thank Him for Selfless Act. Um, So a homeless man, um, Johnny Bobbitt, um, saw a young woman who had run out of gas on the freeway. Um, He told her, get back in your car and lock the door. (sighs) He spent his last 20 bucks on buying her a tank of gas. He didn't ask for anything in return and sent her on her way. She didn't even have any money on her to pay him back. But um, she, over the next couple of weeks, stopped and would give him things like a coat and hat and gloves and cash every time she saw him. But she just thought, like, this this just isn't enough. And um, 
So she started a GoFundMe. They raised mm-hmm. over three hundred thousand dollars. Nice. And um, he, he was able to pay up on his rent, get his house back, and then he paid it forward to thank Great. people that had helped him in his hard times. So that was really inspiring. Nice. Yeah. For those of you that aren't familiar with GoFundMe, it's a for-profit crowdfunding platform that allows people to raise money for things like celebrations, graduations, and challenging life circumstances like accidents and illnesses. So why don't you give us the update on the story of Johnny Bobbitt Jr., the homeless veteran, Katie McClure, and her boyfriend, Mark D'Amico. Well, as it turns out, it was all a ruse. The three people involved have been charged with theft by deception and conspiracy. Their final take was right around $400,000, of which GoFundMe's cut was around $50,000. It all started to unravel last August when Bobbitt, who had received very little of the cut, filed a lawsuit against the couple for fraud and conspiracy. After some investigations, the seizing of a BMW, discovery of money spent, and some confiscated text messages between the three, it is clear that they all worked together to scam the most generous nation. The couple also spent the money on lavish vacations, designer handbags, and gambling. By March, they were already using the BMW as collateral for a high-interest loan of $10,000. I like to gamble, but they went through $200,000 in less than three months. That's right. (laughs) Some shady stuff happened. They were all arrested and sent to jail this past November, and the couple was released the next day on bail. Bobbitt was ordered released by a judge on bail with some stiff conditions this December. The trio is now awaiting their trial, which will be held on December 24th. Happy holidays! Yep. If found guilty, they could be facing 5 to 10 years in jail. That's an unfortunate turn of events. I'd like to think this is rare, and most campaigns seem to be legit, right? I mean, these three individuals could be going to prison for up to 10 years. So why do you think people are so attracted to platforms like GoFundMe? Well, I'm glad you asked. I think that there have been too many cuts to social services for low-income people and others in need that folks just can't afford to pay for unplanned events. There is no safety net. Also, I think there are some really greedy people out there, don't you think? I do. Um, In our fact-finding research, we came across an article from November 20th, 2018 in Esquire titled, Last Year's Heartwarming Story Was BS and Perfectly American. This article talked about the link between politics and fraud in charitable giving on platforms such as GoFundMe. They mention a blog called GoFraudMe, where one can see dozens of fraudulent campaigns. Some examples... A Canadian woman faked a rare brain disorder to the tune of $126,000. And Wisconsin has its own story. A woman from Watoma took advantage of others by claiming her two-year-old daughter had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, raising over $14,000. The good news out of this story is that the little girl isn't sick at all. She just has a terrible mother. Agreed. Here is a direct quote from Esquire. That our nation has outsourced day-to-day services like health care and housing to the wilds of the internet is terrifying. But controversies like the gas station GoFundMe scam suggest that the conservative vision of private giving isn't a solution to American poverty. Not to get too political, 
So Dana, I have to ask, did you give to the Pay It Forward campaign? No, I did not. <laughs> okay, good. So you weren't a sucker, but did it change your mind about giving? No, I think the takeaway from this story and others like it is that it's important to give, yes, but be sure you're giving to a reputable organization. Good point. Givers beware. Where can people go find reputable charities? Um, if you're not already familiar with an organization that you trust, we suggest Charity Navigator Online. They have tips for donors, hot topics like relief for California wildfires, charities responding to the humanitarian crisis in Yemen, and suicide prevention and mental health. And they have top 10 lists like charities with perfect scores and the 10 most followed charities. If you want to give locally, you can search the database by state or topic of your choice. As this is the season of giving, we hope that helps everyone to make better informed decisions. Happy holidays and happy giving. See you next year on Fact Finders. All right, instead of our usual Anything Goes recommendations, we're going to talk about our most anticipated book, film, or TV show expected to come out in 2019. So who wants to go first? <laughs> um, I can start, and this, I realize, uh, might be on the juvenile side oh, no, of things. Okay. But, it doesn't matter. Um, so <laughs> there is going to be a live-action although most of it will be CGI, um, release of The Lion King yeah. coming out summer of 2019. Great. The trailer looks amazing. Mm -hmm. um, it was a favorite for me growing up. Um, the original Disney animated film was a favorite, and it is for my kids as well, so we're really excited to be able to go to the big theater and watch that um, next summer. And the voices, uh, the voice cast is um, really impressive. Um, a lot, lots of big names: James Earl Jones, Donald Glover, Beyonce, um, <laughs> and the others are escaping me now. But and your daughters are yeah, super excited. Yeah, yeah, great. So should be fun. All right, I can go next because mine is also kind of kid related. <laughs> okay. um, so my recommendation uh, for upcoming is How to Train Your Dragon Three. We have been a big fan of this series ever since it came out, and my son is seven now, and since he was four, we were like, this is coming out in 2018, we gotta wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, it didn't come out in 2018, so we're like, well, we gotta wait one more year, buddy, and yeah. we're waiting one more year, and mm -hmm. so we're gonna... Well, we saw that. the trailer, and yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it looks really good. It looks very cute. And what's yeah. the name of the dragon again? Uh, Toothless. Toothless. Toothless, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, or toothlicks, as my little guy calls oh, it. <laughs> well, to get him by, you know, there is that Netflix animated yeah, series. Yeah, we've watched that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> um, I have a hard time getting to movies because I have an almost two-year-old. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to all the things that are coming out right now that'll be on DVD <laughs> next year. <laughs> One is Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. And the second is Mary Queen of Scots, which oh, yeah, is okay. just about to come out, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that, I also wanted to say I'm really looking forward to Jenny Lewis is going to have a new album in 2019. Mm, great. It's her first in four and a half years. Wow. And she's my favorite. 
Um, and so I'm also looking forward to seeing her in March at the Sylvie, our new okay. uh, music venue yeah. here in town. Highly recommend the Sylvie. Yeah. Amazing okay. venue. Oh, okay. We saw the Smashing Pumpkins there. That's awesome. Yeah. I heard they have limited seats, though. You have to get there very, early to get a seat. No, very. most of it is standing room only. There are some balcony seats, um, but very few. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a bad view in the house. Um, but yeah, if you want to see, you have to pay a little extra and show up early to get a good, a good one. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Well, I'll go next. Um, I am very excited about Project Blue Book and it's starring our much beloved Lord Peter Baelish, AKA Littlefinger Mm. from Game of Thrones, (laughs) um, the actor Aidan Gillen, and he plays real life astrophysicist, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Um, who was hired by the U.S. government to investigate and debunk UFO sightings. Mm-hmm. And um, and th- this was a real program that our government had from 1952 to 69. And it's directed by Robert Zemeckis, who mm-hmm. directed one of my favorite films, Contact. Mm-hmm. So um, the trailer looks amazing. I'm really excited. Um, and because I've been reading about this for two years, they've been trying to get this, you know, off the ground and stuff. And just to give you a little background on Dr. J. Allen Hynek, um, a much beloved figure in um, UFOlogy and uh-huh. a, a, someone with a lot of integrity. And um, in fact, I think they call him the dad of UFO, UFO investigation. So, um, but anyway, it's going to be nice to see um, Aiden Gillen in a, in a likable uh, role because <laughs> in The Wire, he's a bad guy. In Game of Thrones, he's a bad guy. Airs on the History Channel on January 8th at 9 o'clock. And so that's where I will be. <laughs> he's a terrific actor. He is. He's yeah. great. And, um, you know, it's, it's of course, it takes place in the 50s. So there's the cars and the, the mm-hmm. clothes and, mm-hmm. and the music. And so I think it's it, it looks amazing. And so probably if you like X-Files, I don't think it's going to be as strange as X-Files. but mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to something that I think few people actually are <laughs> looking forward to. Um, in April of uh, 2019, a book is going to be published by Brett Easton Ellis. Oh, okay. And once upon a time, um, I was one of the people that enjoyed um, reading. It's hard to say enjoy, but um, mm. I liked reading him. It, it, it wasn't always enjoyable reading him, his right. uh, fiction. The, some of the novels that he's famous for, Less Than Zero, The Rules of Attraction, and probably the one that most people know him for and the one that was the most controversial was American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was very definitely polarizing, and he was uh, hated uh, by a lot of people on both the left and the right uh, you know, for things. But he his fiction was always about pushing buttons, about mm-hmm. current society and um, the excesses. And, and in April, he's publishing a book called White, um, and I'm not sure about the title, but it's a nonfiction book. It's his oh. actual first nonfiction book. Uh, he's written some essays. But it's supposed to be a polemic about um, this century's failings, uh, especially uh, e-driven ones, mm. uh, and issues of uh, freedom of speech and being taken over by technology. Mm-hmm. When was the last time he published something? So I don't know how much you know that he's published since, but um, I did see you know buzz about this book coming out in two thousand nineteen, right. and. Uh, one review said, if nothing else, it's provocative. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Great. That sounds good. Yeah, it does. All right. So how about our New Year's resolutions? <laughs> I'll just real quick. I, this year, I resolved to move more. Um, this last year, I, I did some significant um, diet changes, and I just need to move more. I need to get up from my desk more and, mm-hmm. you know, walk to the furthest bathroom and mm-hmm. use the stairs. And so that's what I, I just wanted to keep it simple this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's it. Mine's very close. I, I want to run more. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mine's ongoing, um, so, but you, there's usually a push right at the beginning of the year in this to declutter. Sure. Um, it, they're always, you know, with kids, you accumulate a lot of things and it's kind of never ending. And, um, I'm always telling my girls that life is not about things. So, <laughs> um, it's about experiences. So we're trying to have less of that. All right. Um, one of the things that I want to do is to complete 12 knitting projects. Oh, wow. Some of them are going to be small, obviously. I'm not going to knit 12 sweaters because that's right. insane. <laughs> um, but I do plan to try to do a sweater for the first time. Oh, wow. Let's hope I don't quit knitting altogether after that experience. <laughs> All right. Very um, mine is actually the same as Mark's, and um, I used to be a runner, and then I had kids, and then I just kind of became a dog walker, <laughs> but I'd like to become a runner again. Mm-hmm. All right. Great. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, especially Autumn and Mark, who braved the rotten weather and drove here to attend in person. Um, have a happy new year, everyone, and thanks for listening. See you next year. The Overdue Podcast is a production of Madison College Libraries and the Student Achievement Center.